0: Okay, welcome back to The Two Stewards Show, and on this episode, we uh, we keep it a little bit conceptual. We're still talking about the properties of sound money, and uh, we have a bit more of a rambling episode, but uh, we are getting to the point to where we uh, tie it back into real estate. But for now, enjoy this episode.
1: <laughs> All right, welcome everybody back to The Two Stewards Show. What episode are we on? I think twelve. Um, this is a second episode in a little mini series we were doing on the properties of sound money. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode where we kind of introduced some of these properties, uh, go back and do so because you're going to learn a lot and you're probably going to be thoroughly confused because we went off on a lot of tangents and talked in very abstract manner about this topic. But, uh, we felt like there was some things that we kind of left unsaid. So, uh, that's what we want to talk about right now. And uh, I, I just have on my sheet here, Spanish galleons. And that came out of a conversation. I had never heard that word before, but Mark said it applied to money and sound money in particular. And I think we all need to know about what happened here. So what is the history behind the Spanish galleons and why is it important to know, Mark?
0: Let me just say first that I'm shocked that you have not heard of this. Like this is... It's incredible. This is like the basis of half of my childhood dreams, you know, finding these (laughs) ships, these shipwrecks full of gold. Okay,
1: so a a galleon is a ship?
0: It's a ship, yes. Yeah, it's not like a measurement of water. That's a gallon. Uh, It's not a measurement of, uh, I don't know, (laughs) of of value. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we talked a little bit about gold, a lot about gold last time. And uh, one of the things I think what sparked us off was port- the portability aspect of money. And I always like to have illustrations to, to help me understand things, right? You can give me a- abstract terms. I may not understand it, but you give me a picture, like I got it. So one picture that works as a mental picture, obviously. But um, for the portability of money and just the way to... Um, to describe that, like, why is that an important aspect of money? Well, this is... Here's a great example, right? This is an
1: illustration an
0: of... Illustration, okay. although not a literal illustration. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I, maybe we should have, like, a picture of a galleon. Um, in any case, so when Spain was sort of the, uh, the dominant world power, they were extracting a ton of resources, specifically gold, from South America, right? And the way that they would get this gold is they would... Uh, have it mined, and then bring it to a central location where they stockpile it once they had enough to fill up a ship or a bunch of ships, usually a bunch of ships, um, with an escort. So because I'm
1: imagining that the reason that they got all this gold is, or the fact that they got all this gold is the reason they're the dominant power in the world. That's just a side.
0: Yeah, there's a... I mean, let's not turn this into a whole big history lesson. (laughs) There's a number of reasons um, uh, for it, right? Everybody in Europe kind of had their turn. But when it was Spain's turn, then they they really leveraged that, especially their Navy Um, and... Yeah, they discovered these areas where you could get more gold because we talked about that before, right? They had you know what we call sound money, so it was gold. So if a government or a king wanted to do something, he needed to have gold. the money to do it. He didn't have like an Amex card or uh, you know a Discover card. We we're like just charge it or a and, central uh, bank. Yeah, a central bank. Um, there were bankers who would loan you money, but it came at quite a price. So. One easy way way to fund their imperial ambitions to expand the empire was to get more gold, right? And there wasn't a lot of gold in Spain that they could dig up or not easily because that was all gone. Um, But in the new world or in in South America specifically, there was tons of gold for the taking, right? Because there was a lot of stuff that was closer to the surface, easily mineable. There's a lot that had been mined. Um, by the, the indigenous peoples there. So they were able to to trade gold for different stuff and then just plain out steal it at some point too. Um, <laughs> but like either way, they got the gold. Um, pirates were a thing back then, right? So you think pirates of the Caribbean, right? This is like, have you never watched those? Yeah. Right? Anyways, um, <laughs> right? So you couldn't just send a ship full of gold uh, back to... Back home. Sorry,
1: I'm not done my childhood yet. I still got another. No,
0: we're gonna years. we're gonna work through this together, Brent. Okay, okay? maybe we need a little couch for you to lay on. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, you can't just send a ship, a galleon, um, back to Spain full of gold because pirates would know about it and they would, uh, like, attacking a a country's uh, navy was like a big deal. But if you had a ship full of gold, that was worth so much that it would be worth it, right? So now you have to have uh, like a fleet of ships from Spain uh, sailed down to the New World. So there's a big expense to do that. Yeah. Um, so it had to be worth it, right? So you'd have the the actual like the freight ships and then the the warships to protect them. Go down, pick up this gold, and then go back. But there's a risk there too, right? Not just the pirates, but weather. Yeah. And um, so this is where you know all these treasure seeking stories are uh, are, are made. And it wasn't just the Spanish but you' always hear about the Spanish galleons at least some of us do and um, to this day people are still looking for some of them because they're laying in the ocean somewhere full of gold and it's worth you know billions of dollars at this point point. <sighs> and you've got like jurisdiction debates now right where governments get into it because it's a lot of money for them too and they'll be like like no this is within our our waters it's ours even if somebody you know Fine somebody to. does the salvage work so <laughs> anyways the point is, this is hundreds of years ago. People are still looking for this money. Yeah,
1: that's what struck me when you kind of mentioned this story. Is like, Yeah. People are still looking for this stuff? Like, yeah. Why? Isn't it old?
0: Yeah, it's old. No, but it's I mean, that's another valuable. part of the value of uh, of money or of gold as money. Right, Gold doesn't tarnish. So when you think of like silver, nickel, all these other ones, they oxidize. And, um, you know, then you have to, you got to fix them up in order to make them useful but gold does not tarnish so it can be sitting in the bottom of the ocean for hundreds of years and it's still uh, you know you got to wipe it off but it's still uh, it's still good so i don't think in hundreds of years people are going to be looking for u.s dollars <laughs> <laughs> yeah those big ships
1: that went over with all those uh, dollar bills in them <laughs>
0: well it is so it's interesting because if you read about um uh, some of these big drug kingpins like Pablo yeah. Escobar, they had so much cash, physical U.S. dollars, pallets and pallets, that they they had to store it somewhere. So you know, occasionally people will find um, yeah. these big lumps of cash just rotting, Yeah. right? But they didn't; they had nowhere to put it because yeah. uh, they couldn't bring it to the bank, obviously, so right? That's so a they good would example physically store of it.
1: How um, it doesn't, yeah? <laughs> what the the US dollars being money that doesn't really uh, last it deteriorates pretty quickly relatively yeah. speaking right? Yeah, like and even that's... like 100 years or 50 years the actual uh, thing that you put in your pocket is just going to de- start to decay and deteriorate and...
0: yeah and that's you know then we talk about inflation and that's like because the obvious the solution is to go digital but inflation uh, does the same thing as that pallet of cash decaying in the yeah. jungle it you know it's like your digital pallet of cash decaying uh, digitally because it's losing uh, losing its value. Does okay. that answer your question yeah. about the Spanish galleons, Brent?
1: Well, it does enlighten me as to uh, another good <laughs> illustration of how um, gold lacks uh, portability but uh-huh. also still maintains sound money properties in terms of like it's still valuable today. People are still looking for it. In fact, it's actually, like you said, more valuable in a mm-hmm. sense like um, I guess the purchasing power has been retained, but the um, the fact that people are willing to do all these expenditures to try and go find it, it's just like, you know, wow. Yeah. So, um, well, I guess that kind of highlights that um, where we left off with the last episode that the, um, the old way of doing things um, is dated, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, And I want to say the old way, I mean, like the way that, um, you know, grandparents and previous generations um, thought about money. um, They lived in a paradigm where we were on the gold standard. Right. So certain behaviors were rewarded and incentivized. Right. So if I'm working in the fields all day and I save my money, um, you know, what is the incentive for me? Like, am, am I incentivized to spend that money or to keep it? And if your money is gold, um, like historically speaking, it has been, you uh, you just sitting on a pile of gold, like you're incentivized to keep that money mm-hmm. because tomorrow it's actually worth, um, more or at least the same. Right. But now when we fast forward to today, the incentive structure is all wonky because now we live in a new system where it's not based off of gold. We have fiat money. Yep. And now, um, I go do the same work in the field and I got all this cash sitting in my um, bank account. If I don't do something with that cash tomorrow, it's going to be worth less. Yep. So that's, that's a bit of a shock when you start to paint the picture like that. That like, Oh, okay. So the previous way of doing things seems right. It seems noble. It seems um, like that's what we should be doing. Yeah. Uh, but if you implement it in a society where we're on, uh, we're not on a gold standard, we're not having sound money, like the incentives are all backwards, and it doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah,
0: no. Like biblically speaking, the Bible uh, extols the virtues of hard work, and yeah. you know, not for no reason. Um, so when you have a system in which hard work doesn't mean anything anymore and you know people will say oh it's capitalism and it's terrible but that's like no that's not what it's about um there is a value
1: valuable but you like hard work is valuable but you can't you can't just store the proceeds of your labor into the future very easily
0: no but my point is there is something noble and good about hard work so a system that subverts that system of values um, leads to all kinds d- d- of different things. Yeah, there's there's something wrong with it, right? Because yeah, you have this system of hard work. Um, there's a certain paradigm that goes along with that, right? And we we've you know, we've talked about that a little bit how things have shifted, but just your mindset, your uh, your time preference, um, the decisions you make, right? So we're we're talking about you know if you have gold, you can work hard and you know that it will retain its value more or less. Um, into the future, into the near future. So you don't need to make short-term decisions. um, All right, now you're jumping into
1: a whole other concept. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: sorry, let me just say one more thing um, about that. So the, the corollary, I guess, to the fact that your money degrades over time is that your debt also degrades over time. So there's now more incentive to take on more debt, and backwards system. Explain that a little bit more. Well, so the best I understand
1: now, based on what we talked about, that money devalues over time. Yeah, Uh, money. Maybe we use the word currency. So dollars devalue over time. Okay, but how does debt devalue over time?
0: Well, so we've we've kind of flipped the um, flipped the switch, right? So now our money system. Um, I don't know if we've explained this super clearly, but our money system is based on debt now. It's not like it's based on the negative side of the ledger as opposed to the positive side. So where before you would work hard, accumulate some kind of money and or make that be that gold or whatever, that's sort of on the positive side, right? And then I can go buy stuff with that up to the amount of value that that gold has. I can't get more. Right? So if I want to go buy some groceries or some food with a bit of gold that I have, I can use that gold to buy a certain amount and I can get no more beyond that. Unless, that's the old system. That's the old system, right? I can only, um, can only buy or purchase. Have. Yeah, I can only spend what I have, right? So we have switched that now to where money is not created via positive labor. Money is created by the government by decree, right, fiat, Mm-hmm. Where the government creates money, um, I lost my train of thought there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we, we've, we've switched the system from like the positive to the negative. Yeah. So now money is actually created via debt, right? The best example of that is a mortgage. When a bank lends me money for a mortgage, that is new money. Being introduced into the system. That's not money. The bank doesn't have that money sitting there. Like maybe they do, but they're not giving me like your money that's sitting there. They're actually creating new money in the system, which is like just an incredible concept. But that's how our system works. It's based on debt. So if I know that, and I know that money devalues over time because of inflation, well, I can use that to my advantage uh, and take on more debt. So, in yeah. some sense, this but can be good. That speaks to what
1: I mentioned off the top about incentives, right? Like, yeah. if your incentive is to take on debt, you're saying? Yeah. Ooh, that has a lot of ramifications. It does. <laughs> it does. So,
0: like, the one positive way we can use this is, again, with a mortgage. I can take on that debt because I know that over time, the value of my debt is going to decrease without me doing anything just yeah. by by uh, <sighs> by dint of having time pass and as long and, as i can as long as you can make continue money to with that have l- that debt yeah
1: and you need an asset to secure that debt and, yeah
0: as long as i have an asset against that that is growing in value yeah. then like i'm i'm doing fabulous but that's that's one part of it right the flip side is that we're just we're encouraging people to take on more and more debt because it sort of loses its meaning right it's losing value it's not, you know, we we have lost sight, I think, of us as, as a society, of. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably sounding like an old codger here. We've lost value, sight of the value of hard yeah, yeah, work, yeah, yeah. but we kind of have, right? Yeah. Not everybody has, but um, yeah, the value of work, the value of money, the value well, essentially, of essentially having a long people have that time in preference,
1: themselves where they don't want to work, right? Like you, you, we are. Everybody's always trying to find an easier way to do something. That's how like you yep. know uh, the world works right you you spend your time in what you're good at making something that makes it easier for me to do what i'm doing and we kind of advance society that way but i think yeah you're kind of beating around the bush around this more fundamental thing which is time preference being right like mm-hmm. uh, having in a an economic system or a monetary system where uh the old way of saving money uh is not rewarded Yep. And we live in a new system where, um, spending money is or saving money is not rewarded and spending money is kind of incentivized yep. just by nature of the fact that your money loses value. Um, that has ramifications in terms of time preference. And that's a concept. Yep. Maybe we want to talk a little bit more and flesh it out because, um, it's basically the degree to which you discount the future For the present, right?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, that
0: makes sense. Go on.
1: That's a quote from Safe. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that smart. But but yeah, so if if people think about uh, the future a lot, right? They're future oriented, they make plans um, and they make sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Um, That you can think leads to a lot of good. But if people are Um, very near-term thinking and thinking about how can I meet my immediate wants right now how can I get what I want Uh, that's very inward focused very selfish individualistic consumeristic and these are all words that kind of we're very familiar with because that's the world we live in right yeah so why do you think that is
0: (laughs) well the money the money is really
1: one of the biggest factors for for that that kind of
0: yeah, and I don't know, like, is it the state of our money that has driven um, our culture? Or is there a culture that sort of informs how we look at money? And it's it's probably a little bit of both, I <laughs> yeah, think. Yeah, it undulates back and forth, maybe. Yeah, but um, I think the money probably has the bigger effect on our culture, and we don't realize it. And that's this is why we're talking about money, Yeah. Um, not just because we love money. I mean, yeah. you know. Um, although the, the love of money is the root of all evils, but, um, and I, yeah, I'd be interesting to see what that, what, what is money actually, uh, what we translate it as money, but what is that word in Greek? I don't know. Anyways, that's, we'll, uh, we'll have to have a guest on here at some point, <laughs> get a minister on maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, it, it kind of goes both ways, but as I said, I think, um, our money system that that was one of the unintended consequences of going off a gold standard right we don't need much encouragement to become base and venal in our behavior and that this this was a a very easy way to do it yeah i think going off yeah because especially if
1: you start rewarding that behavior it becomes this self-fulfilling loop it's like oh man i really want something for myself oh i just go get some debt and buy it yep oh that was easy why don't I get something else for myself get more debt and buy it right and then every just spirals out but you do that on an individual level and that corrupts the person but you do that on a uh, you know a national level a country level yep right um, yeah you got some pretty big forces at play that are hard to switch around um, changing the structure of a government or a civilization doesn't really happen very quickly right well, yeah it does when there's <laughs> rebellion and violence and stuff like that but that's not where we want to go. I have a little quote here on uh, from the Bitcoin Standard by Safety and um, It says, The lowering of time preference is what initiates the process of human civilization and allows for humans to cooperate, prosper, and live in peace. I thought that was interesting because um, he's talking about civilization happening mm-hmm. and people cooperating together people prospering, right? Yep. We all kind of seek that, you know, your neighbor could as well. Um, and you want to live in a society where we can get along, we can see other people do well and we can mutually benefit from that. Right. And we live in peace and there's no conflict. Um, and he, he, he makes a statement that the lowering of time pre- preference is what actually initiates this whole thing. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting because, um, that uh that definitely paints a picture for us that how important it is that um we don't discount the future right right and when you have money that you have to spend now otherwise it's going to be de- devalued it's very hard to um you know to think about the future in a plan and um to place a value a greater value on the future than the present because you're always thinking oh like i got this dollar like it's gonna gonna be like you see it in hyperinflation in countries that we've mentioned before like you know venezuela or whatever um, lebanon um where all of a sudden like your currency is debased and you're literally running around trying to spend it uh on tangible things that actually do hold their value. Maybe they don't hold their value like money should like yep. for years and years, but they hold their value for at least a week, right? You buy a, <laughs> a jug of milk. Let's <laughs> if you're choosing to buy groceries with your money over top of holding the money, you know, like, you know, you, you've gone way too far in debasing your currency. Um, but that just speaks to the, the time preference where like people are choosing um to like spend it now because it's going to lose its value.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's some like Christian principles there as well. Like Christians, uh, you know, in general, will look to the future and right. Because like we look towards an eternal future, right? So we've always kind of got one eye on the radar, right? Yeah. We've got one eye on the, uh, on the horizon. I, you know, we're, we're working here, doing our things here, but we really know our our reward and our future is much greater and uh, we're not really working towards that, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not of this world. Yeah, it's not of this world. So there's, you know, I don't want to make like hard parallels here, but there is that idea just ingrained in in Christianity that um, to have that higher time preference, that longer view of things. And, um, like, yeah, I think that's good when you, you can bring that sorry. into your life and into your culture,
1: high time preference versus low, sorry, I a low, a low
0: time. I always get this mixed up <laughs> the lower time preference where you put more value on the future, on the future. So, yeah. um, and one of the examples we, and that I, informs
1: we, your decisions in <clears throat> the present.
0: Yeah. And generally makes for more prudent decision-making Yeah, like number one, it it's takes you emotional. longer to come to a decision yeah because you have to think of a whole bunch of different things not just like i want this i'm going to get it right now there's not a lot of thought that That
1: that i didn't think about oh shoot i didn't think about that yeah exactly (laughs) yeah
0: like like i'm going to eat all the whatever all the grain that i have stored up right now because i'm hungry and i love bread and then when winter comes you're like oh i didn't think about winter like now i'm hungry and i'm going to die yeah um but we use an example last time, or I use an example, of um, you're good at examples, <laughs> specializing specialization in an economy. So where you know you can grow wheat and that's great. You can do certain things with it, but um, if somebody were to build a mill, then you can do so much more with that. Now you can make all kinds of different, you can make bread, you can make pasta. I mean, where would we be without pasta? I would like to do an episode just on pasta someday. Okay. Just, uh,
1: I will listen to you do the episode on pasta while I'm eating pasta.
0: Well, okay. I'll cook it during the episode and then, and then we'll eat
1: it. Like the You're talking the world. about capital goods. Okay, a cap- cap- fine. A capital accumulation.
0: Right? Capital accumulation. So, in order for a a town um, or a community to build that um, uh, mill. The, the mill, uh, thank you. Um, there's there's a lot of thinking about the future that has to go on, right? Because it's much easier just to use what you have and. And, um,
1: you, it seems like a waste of time to go out in the field and work all day. Yeah. Um, or sorry, it seems like a really big waste of time when you really need food to sit there chipping away at a stone trying to make a mill. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When there's you, all when kinds you of need th- food and the food's out in the field and you got to go get it.
0: Yeah. And so you need lumber. So you got to cut down trees or get someone to do that. And
1: you can't eat lumber.
0: You can't, uh, well, if you're a beaver, <laughs> uh, they don't eat it anyways. But um, yeah, you can't, you're doing all these things, you're engaging, and it's not just one person doing this. You need a whole bunch of people to build the structure, yeah. to get all these specialized parts to make it, to like, maybe yeah. you're going to use a windmill or a water wheel to turn that yeah. stone, yeah. or you're going to have a horse uh, pulling it. Like you need all these different things and different specializations which take time and money. So that generally means to do this, you talked about capital accumulation, and this is sort of what capitalism is, not what we have today. It's not capitalism, but where you save up capital yeah. Save up a good or save up money yeah. in order to to take a a bit of a risk to build something else because there's yeah. a risk building a mill like and, what if and
1: these are like the the components of a mill and the mill those are capital goods right those are things that are useful for the production of other things right that you would consume so you can't just consume a mill but you need a mill if you want to amplify your production and produce more wheat or flour right yeah so um, these are things that require immense amount of sacrifice in the present for future gain right and and some of these things are even intergenerational right like it might you might never see the completion of that mill right yeah, you like, may never reap the benefits of it but future generations they might take it for granted but they'll uh they'll be able to go out in the field and you know do their work and make the weed and bring it to the mill and now all of a sudden like they don't need to do all the processing that's just done for them
0: yeah, I mean, there's there are still mills out there to like, not on a, an industrial scale, but there's still ones out there that could work, right? Maybe the stones or the 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 wood structure needs to be rebuilt or maintained, but um, you can still grind wheat with a lot of these because they were built right. The stones are still there to do that, um, and when we look at generally speaking, um, and I mean, you do you're more on the construction side than I am. But even when we're building a building, yeah. building a structure, we're not planning for it to last a thousand years. Nobody's building a house, at least I don't. I don't think you're, you know, doing it, making a duplex or building no. something where you're like in a thousand years people are still gonna right. It's expected that this is gonna yeah. last, you know, maybe a hundred years, maybe yeah. with maintenance. Yeah. Um, but not beyond that. Like, what? Drastic, just think of people building cathedrals Yeah. in the Middle Ages where it would be generations of stonemasons working on this building, right? Yeah. Hundreds of years they would take. I that mean, would. there's still that one in Spain, the um, Sagrada Familia that is, is uh, still Spain. being built. I know, it's just Spain on the brain. <laughs> 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 Mainly in the plane um, where it's still being built, but that's just an example of... Um, uh, yeah, j- just a different culture and a different mindset, right? Yeah. We, nothing that we, and you could say like, oh no, that's, it's, none of it's related, but I think a lot of it is related when you have this mindset, then yeah. Why would you build yeah. uh, a house that would last a thousand years? Yeah. Cause yeah. It, it costs too much for the effort and the time that we're going to put in. So yeah. we'll deal with that problem in like 50 years. 50 years. Right?
1: Yeah. 30 years <laughs> shingles that last you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. five years. <laughs> yeah Yeah. um yeah it is kind of a sad reality um but when you're aware of it then you start to see it everywhere right yeah um and you mentioned the construction that we do in um construction industry yeah the building materials in many ways have gotten a lot more advanced and there's cool things that we can do now that we never could be able to but the durability of these things um has gone by the wayside and um you know, like people don't, aren't prepared to pay for something, like you said, that last thousand years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And, and, uh, if you think about it, like if you had money that continued to maintain its value, right. And you saved that and you gave it to your grandchildren and they gave it to their grandchildren, like that, that has a profound effect on um, what they think of that money, right? Like, they're they're not mm-hmm. going to spend it, right? It's still as valuable as when Grandpa put on all that effort, you know? Um, so I guess it kind of translates into, you know, houses, other objects, things that we build and make um, in the sense that, like, you know, we built this thing and it lasts and it endures. Um, we don't, we, we simply just don't do that.
0: Uh, no. These and, days. and even the value of the work that grandpa did like that that is remembered because he did something in order to create this wealth right he yeah. worked and did something yeah whereas like yeah I know my grandpa worked whatever yeah you know no big deal he, he probably just did.
1: earned five bucks a, a day or five <laughs> bucks a year
0: yeah well you, you I think last episode you talked about um, paper notes not being equal to gold and I'm like oh man like for the Dutch paper note are like gold you know <laughs> So maybe he made a couple paper notes in a day. <laughs> Only our Dutch listeners are going to oh, get that. Oh, <laughs> man. I never heard of
1: that one before.
0: <laughs> oh. you'll, you'll hear a lot of new things, Brent, if you okay, uh, stick yeah. around for a while.
1: We got to get a bed so I can lay down. <laughs> um, yeah, so the other thing I wanted to kind of talk about, and we've been rambling on and uh, losing our focus here, but um, what happens um, when money loses um, it's attachment to reality, right? And that's essentially what we have now. We have money that is fiat it no longer, like it can be printed into existence at the whim of somebody who holds the power. Yeah. Um, and that's not real. Like that's not actually what should be happening and that's not real. Um, so what really is happening is that we have institutions that are in power that can control these things. And they're basically manipulating the communication between average guys like me and you and everybody else who are trying to work for a living and trying to communicate the value of our work with other people, right? And they're doing this kind of behind the scenes, but they're manipulating the value of our money. Meanwhile, we're trying to communicate the value. Um, to each other, right? So if you see what I'm saying, like we have a communication channel going between us and we're using money as a medium of exchange um, and we're communicating value back and forth. And, you know, maybe you and I are doing that, but we're doing it as a country. We're doing it, you know, local municipalities. We're doing it in all kinds of different ways across the world in, in a global economic system. And behind the scenes, there's this guy trying to manipulate it and he's muddying the signals, right? And we're not making clear communication, so it, it it almost breeds like you know mistrust, and it makes it harder to make calculations. It makes it harder to um, not only preserve value and um, think about the future, but then also communicate that to people. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Am I off the rails? But
0: no, I think you're right, and I think um, you know we talked about our money informing our our culture and vice versa and our thought processes. And like, if we look at kind of the era we're in, I would call it like a, a post-truth era, right? We used to be post-modern. And, and uh, the idea with truth at the in that is that it was relative, right? Truth used to be fixed. And, and you know, I'm talking about the Western world anyways. Um, you know, truth used to be a constant for us. Um, and then yeah, we kind of shifted to a more relativistic view where everything is relative. So there's truth, but only like one thing in relation to another thing, not there's a central standard that is truth and everything relates to that. And the amount of truthfulness that a thing has uh, is in relation to this standard, right? To where as now we're in a post-truth society where the only it's not even, you know, truth isn't even relative. Truth is subjective. So it's what I think it is at this particular time. So that, and that manifests in all kinds of ways, right? Like I can be whatever gender I feel at this time and you can't tell me any different because it's subjective and that is truth. What I say is truth. And um, that (laughs) applies to all of our society, right? And we can see how either it's manifested in money or the way that money has evolved is manifested in society. Like, you they're, know, intertwined you, they're intertwined. So they're intertwined. And um, money is the same kind of thing where we just look at money now and it's not like, yeah, whatever. If you look at the amounts that the government creates, yeah. right? Trillions of dollars, right? We can't even comprehend what a trillion is. What Have it you ever looks said, like. Yeah, what it looks like. You know you can look and see how many zeros there are fine, but if you were to conceptualize it
1: like visualize a million cows on the hillside,
0: yeah, yeah, like you can't even do that, and then we get I into don't even like, know
1: if I could visualize a hundred cows on the like oh, I can I could easily like I could visualize, but like I can't well. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a bad example. Maybe like a thousand. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like, if you just showed me a picture with a bunch of cows on the hillside, and I yeah. had to tell you how many there were, and there was a trillion, I like, I, I yeah, I no, I couldn't.
0: Yeah, and yeah. So we just have these. We don't have these numbers really anywhere else uh, that I could think of. Um,
1: In like scientific realm, and like yeah. deal with.
0: There's nothing that is measured in trillions, like not even, no. not even in, like in uh, evolutionary theory. Yeah. We're talking like billions, maybe millions of years, hundreds of millions. Yeah, um,
1: it's outside of the realm of our conceptualization.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But money we measure in these such large numbers that we can't comprehend, and I yeah. think that's part of the issue is that, like, oh yeah, the deficit. I is, think
1: it's like, people think it's someone else's problem. <laughs>
0: Well it's, that, it's but that's what happens when something nah, is so problem. big that you can't conceptualize yeah. it you can't internalize it you don't it. understand the gravity of it it of doesn't it. have meaning to you yeah. anymore and we only do that with money
1: yeah oh well, that's scary
0: i mean maybe the size of the universe yeah oh. but even i don't even think anybody's mentioned sorry like to break your mood litanies. everybody if you're having a good day <laughs> now we just made it bad
1: <laughs> um, uh, there's
0: there's still hope but yeah. <laughs> you know you have to
1: lower your time preference (laughs) and hope for the future the eternal future. Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll leave it at that for now. There's, there is more we could talk about in, in this, um, in terms of what is the sound money, what is made up, um, or what are the characteristics of sound money? Um, but I think we've kind of hit it from so many different angles that, uh, Mm -hmm. we'll have to put our heads together and think of more, but, uh, hopefully, you were able to glean something from this short conversation, and uh, you come back next time and don't think we're a bunch of hooligans.
0: Well, we are, but uh, <laughs> it's not the two stewards. <laughs> At least it's, now you know it's the two the uh, the two Stooges show. <laughs> <laughs> but we will bring it back to real estate. Yeah, that's the goal. Uh, next
1: time, we're going to talk about um, how sound money in our present reality um, leads us to consider real estate as a good option. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click
0: share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next
1: episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely.